0: Matthew here with the Tractor Beam Comics Review on the Ion Cannon Podcast, part of the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network. Sorry, this is a few days late, but, you know, things happen. There was a bit of a snowstorm here in the GTA, so uh, getting to this finally Sunday night. Here we go. The Blade Number 2, written by Charles Soule with art by Marco Castiello. Covered by the great Giuseppe coley. Pretty sweet epic variant by David Lopez. Uh, description, unmatched, Jedi Master Porter Engel has journeyed with his sister Barash to a planet far on the Republic frontier in response to a desperate request for aid. They are certain they will succeed. No one in the galaxy fights like Jedi Porter Engel. No warrior can stand against him. No one even comes close. They are certain until they see what awaits them. First off, uh, the cover, both the the Kamakoli cover and the variant, really lean into the uh, the, the medieval, um, you know, this almost swashbuckling, but also the valor, kind of the, the medieval fantasy aspect, which we haven't really seen much in Star Wars. I guess we saw a little bit in the Clone Wars, but, um, you know, that's more space fantasy. These are small towns under siege. Have we ever, how often do we see that in Star Wars? Not all that often. But, of course, this is phase two. This is 380 years before A New Hope. Um, you know, this is a different time. Planets are more isolated, and and the circumstances are are, are pretty medieval kind of the the, the trope of the uh, the kidnapped princess, and uh and I call that a trope, and it, we have the, the of course the wonderful twist at the end um, that the the town that is besieging the people that are besieging the other town in part for resources and energy resources and the interesting kind of kyber crystal connection there, but also. Um, or, or, yeah, it's not that the, yeah, so the, the, the town that, the people, the town itself, they claim that the princess came there willingly, whereas the people besieging them claim that she was kidnapped. Very much Helen of Troy, uh, Game of Thrones, Rhaegar and Lyanna type of situation, and what's what's fascinating here, of course, is this is about the blade, this is about Porter Engel who Hannah fights fights his way with his lightsaber. Uh, I don't know how many people he ends up killing or not, but of course Barash kills no one. But her certainty leads her into this very, uh, into the confidently leads her into this situation. And uh, this is, I mean, I I, I wonder if this, what is being set up here is it's clearly a situation where we don't know who's telling the truth anymore. Either the uh, the 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 uh, group that's Besieging the town, uh their right in terms of the the kidnapped princess, or the town itself, they gone willingly, and of course you know in, of course with Helen of Troy and the Iliad and Game of Thrones, Arpelsel, that that results in in a in a siege in a conflict and, um, again what what's fascinating is barash is in the middle of this, barash who's always so certain, always so confident that she knows what's right, uh. And says, hey, hey, brother, use your lightsaber to defend that truth. And um, again, I wonder if what's being set up here is for that to just get shattered. Because the more brittle you are, maybe I talked about this with number one, the more brittle you are, uh, the more likely it is that that certainty is going to break. So it, it, it's difficult to see because we we, we so empathize with Barash. We, we actually, I mean... Charles Souls writing her and Marco Castello is drawing her in such a sympathetic way, literally in a sympathetic light. We see this story of these flashbacks of uh Barash and Porter uh, as as Padawans and or as younglings about to be Padawans, initiates about to be Padawans, and possibly being separated, or maybe they're already Padawans, possibly being separated, and oh no, we they can't be separated. They're so so good together, they need to be cunning and barrage comes up with this plan of saying um you know don't don't fake it don't don't throw the throw the game but just you know emphasize the fact that things don't work out quite well when they're separated so what happens when they are together at, in this situation where they think they're separate or think they're certain but uh clearly it's more complicated than that and reality is more complicated than that and that's the thing. reality is more complicated than certainty, and and it's sad that they uh, that Barash doesn't seem to instead have more faith in where the force is leading. Maybe that's yes, that's me importing my own uh, real world perspective on this. I do believe it's <laughs> the real world that God and faith and uh, discernment is real. Um, you know what what or whatever values you find meaningful that enable you to make the choice. That you can in the present without being able, w- accepting that you're not able to actually control the future or know for certain what is entirely real. All you can do is what's in front of you. Maybe that's what the Barash Vow is about. Maybe it's about stepping back and saying, I'm going to refuse to control something maybe connected to the path of the open hand. Saying I'm going to refuse to actually control circumstances, control the force. Say they're right to some extent. We're gonna, I'm gonna seclude myself, uh, become a hermit, and simply seek to trust in the force more deeply. And you know, go basing on again real world Christian monastic traditions, pray for my fellow Jedi if that prayer makes any sense for a Jedi um, that they learn to trust the force more as well. So, uh, again, setting this up. The Barash Vow we see as something that has a tragic origin, but is hopefully meaningful and looking forward to more. Of course, it's Charles. He knows what he's doing. Um, staying in the High Republic era with Yoda number 3, written by Kevin Scott, art by Nico Leon, and cover, of course, by Phil Noto, Yoda has failed. That's a great start. <laughs> Yoda's experiment with the Scalvi has ended in disaster. The situation on Turok, Worse than ever, a new generation has risen up since the Jedi Master first came to the planet, a generation that still hasn't learned the most important lesson of all. Will Yoda abandon those who need him most in their hour of need? So there's a time jump here, and a very intriguing one, where you have uh, Bree, I think his name, is that his name? Yeah, he's he's older. He's the one who had killed uh, this... uh, the other species, a member of the other species, he's hailed as a hero, but it weighs so heavily on his conscience. And with the benefit of time, of years, to process, to work through, to look back and see and understand, actually, that was a moral failure and I'm not a hero. All I've done is exacerbate this conflict. Yes, these this, these people have left us alone, but I've failed to understand their perspective their point of view why they felt the need to actually come and raid us in the first place and yes it's a good thing that they've left us alone but this younger generation refuses to accept that this other group can be vulnerable it's kind of making me think of on a large much larger scale global scale of the cold war right the the soviets were this big bad who were this evil empire but really they were, uh, they were really vulnerable, really falling apart, crumbling from the inside. And no wonder they would lash out. And so, uh, lash out in violence and mutually assured destruction. And the, that instinct to hunker down and defend yourself because you're vulnerable. And that's the thing, the same instinct on anyone who seeks to be an aggressor on quote-unquote our side, on the, you know, the American democracy side. Um, Also vulnerable, also trying to hunker down and pretend that we're invulnerable. And, and, uh, and Bree's nephew and niece, they go and they raid these other, uh, the the other camp, the, the, the platform there and kidnap a little kid. I mean, it's another, bit of another uh, kidnap girl story of a different generation, but, Uh, yeah, this horrific thing that, you know, scarring this kid emotionally. In comes Turak, uh, or in comes Bree, you know, hoping Yoda would come and save him, Yoda does show up, but, you know, uh, Bree takes care of this himself, and that's important to note, that he has taken time to learn this lesson, and what we need to remember is all this—the framing device, which will catch up to us. I think, just like with the Obi Wan uh, issue, this framing device is Yoda and Dagobah, re- remembering that the uh, the Jedi l- lashed out and saw those who were different as the enemy, and maybe in some sense they were. I mean, the Sith, an evil enemy, but the Separatists, not so much. And the Separatists were in on this, and in, in, in on, um, sorry, I should say that the, the Jedi were in on the Republic's war with the Separatists. They led the army. Clearly, they also developed the sense that the Separatists were the enemy. And, uh, yeah, Yoda is reflecting on that, how that led to the failure of the Jedi. That's a thought I hadn't actually had, I admit that. That part of, it isn't just that the Jedi are were so in bed with the Republic. They were in bed with the Republic's uh, refusal to accept the the arguments and, and claims and hopes of the people of the Outer Rim. Um, even if it, the Jedi ostensibly would say they would, by joining the Clone Wars, by leading the Clone Wars, they became the Republic's arm of oppression. They became the Empire's arm of oppression. And Yoda is taking that le- lesson Very stringently, I mean, it's why he tells Ezra to go to Malachor and see what happened. And we still don't have that story fully. But, uh, yeah, I I do wonder, uh, you know, how the framing device is going to come back in. One thing we do know is there's going to be another time jump. It's going to be Kevin Scott writing another young Dooku story or younger Dooku story. uh, Building on, of course, his own Dooku Jedi Lost as well as the, the Tales of the Jedi that really do go into this from Dooku's perspective in, in a new layer. And then we've talked about this on the main podcast and lots of people have talked about it. Uh, clearly clearly read, written uh, with all that in mind, this next comic issue that comes out. So that's hopefully going to explore things even more. Especially because the thing I've always been curious about, again, is what specifically is Yoda... Reflected on, you know, you know, in the last Jedi, he says the greatest teacher failure is, and I'm convinced he is consistently, well, I'm convinced that he, in my he has in mind the failure of the Clone Wars. I mean, the the, the blurb here in triple Yoda has failed, failed with the Scalvi, failed with the Jedi and the Clone Wars and Republic, um, specifically on Dagobah, he's talking about how at the height of his powers. You'd let the empire rise, form the empire, and wipe them out. And uh, I don't need too much detail and content about that. I enjoy reflecting on that and teasing that out myself, and that's part of the fun and part of the reason why we don't get often get too much detail and dialogue or exposition about that. But I'm, you know, be interesting to have a little more kernel to reflect on that. And the 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 last uh, these three issues have given me that kernel. The next few issues likely will as well. So doing doing great, Kevin Scott, of course, as always. Um, appreciating everything he does. Okay. Dr. Afra, number 28, written by Alyssa Wong. Art by Menkyu Jung and cover by Scott Forbes. Code of Honor. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, or so they say. Those Ronan Tag and Domina Tag clash over the Tag Corporation? Santa is caught in the middle. But if there's one thing she's learned from Dr. Afra, it's how to use every situation to her advantage. And no matter which tag wins, Santa's determined to come out on top. That was a, This is a fun issue. This is an exciting issue. Leading, of course, to the climax of it. It's also a backdoor pilot for the Santa Star Wars comic, which comes out next week. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, this one, it, it's surprising. If you'll notice, I think it's the only... Afro comic without Afra at all showing up. Um, that was a, a really, really interesting and, and, and engaging and fun choice. You know, I think an inspired choice by Alyssa Wong. I really love Domina in this. She was really smart and clever. And, and we see more of her personality, I think, in this. We see more of her dialogue, more of her calming, cunning, her confidence, her ability to to play people, but also to work with people, even with, with, uh, with Boosh <laughs> and, as uh, Boosh, yeah, and, and Sana and everything they have working out, planning out, even though we think she's coming there to assassinate him, not assassinate her and staying up with Ronan. Who knows, I mean, what Sana's real plan was, but clearly, yeah, she does in the end say, okay, Here's where the chips fall. Uh, I'm going to go with Domina. Both because that's just how the situation worked out. That Ronan ends up in the, the losing circumstance. But also I think because Domina is so convincing and so compelling. And even if she's just saying the the political, playing the political game and saying the words she needs to say, uh, it's still, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say inspiring leadership, but um, juicy. That's what she is. She's, a really juicy, not necessarily, a, not, not, not at all a good guy. She's definitely villainous, but she's not nasty in the same way. Maybe she's a little nasty, but she's not evil or, or good either way. She's kind of neutral. But, yeah, kind of chaotic neutral is what she is. Maybe not. I don't know if I, I get those the Dungeons and Dragons things right. But, anyway, um, uh, this is making me want more dominant tag. Which I, I didn't expect. But we're getting more more Santa stars. So looking forward to seeing more from Afra And how she fully regains herself after the Spark Eternal. And this kind of truth she has with that. But for now, i to got to wait for that. Because they needed this little sort of interlude to tie up the loose end of Ronan, And introduce Santa as, as more of a character in her own right. So... Until next week, that is what the Tractor Beam dragged in. Let me know what you thought of the kidnapped Princess trope, of Yoda's meditations on the, the experiment with the Skelvy and how that turned the corner. And, of course, uh, Sanostaros playing playing the right card with Domina over Ronan and everything going on with the Tag Corporation and Crimson Dawn, of course. Uh, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at Iron Cannon Pod. Next week, as I've said, Sanostaros, number one. Oh, my goodness. By Justine Ireland with art by Perry Perez, cover by Ken Lashley, a bunch of variants too, just to really give us this, this comic first character. Another comic first character spun off from some comic first characters. Uh, Afra, of course, she has some history with Han Solo, who's not a comic first character. That's the only book that, coming out this week, next week, and that's going be, to be fun. Uh, pop by your local comic shop for the physical copies of the books I reviewed today, or if digital is more your speed. And click the links in the description below, as also for next week's comic book. As always, please like and subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld YouTube page. Follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and on Twitter and Instagram at Iron Cannon Pod. Keep it locked on the full Iron Cannon Podcast, coming to you live on that Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel, on Iron Cannon's Twitter and Twitch, Underworld's Twitter, Underworld's Facebook, this and every Monday night, tomorrow, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and then right here on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until then, happy reading.